0: hi welcome to emmanuel church if you haven't been to a service we'd love to see you there or if you want to hear our sermons online go ahead and like us on facebook and you'll get future sermons lord we pray that you would open up your word to us today father that you would speak to us father that you would fill us with your spirits lord that you would touch our hearts with love for you lord that you would renew our minds for the mind of christ And Lord, that you would activate us to spread your gospel. And so we pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, we are continuing our journey looking at membership. And we've been on a journey so far. first four weeks, we looked at what it means to be a member of the universal church, a member of the local church, and very much connected to our status, our identity, what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And now we're beginning the second phase of our journey, looking what it means to be a member, in the idea of what we share in common, what we do together. And today's theme is sharing a life of worship and prayer. So let's journey together. When I use the word worship, or when you hear the word worship, I wonder what comes into your mind. Just think for a moment. Worship. Of course, worship can mean different things for different people. You might be sitting there thinking about, ah, worship, I, I like to do this type of worship, or this is the way that I like to worship, or this is when I'd like to worship. So we're going to just, first of all, we're going to look at what worship means. And then we'll look at both the Hebrew scriptures that we've been read today and the New Testament scriptures. And looking at, if you like, two aspects of worship. The first being this kind of worship to God. And the second is worship to God by showing or being community together. The practical application of our daily lives. So let's look at this. Now, I'm going to start today with the first sentence of a catechism. Now, of course, I've got so many Lutherans here, we know that Martin Luther was the one that initiated this idea of catechism, and it was this way of trying to get faith, or the understanding of faith, by, the, by a very pedagogical way of doing it. And it was this. Question, answer. Question, answer. And it was a way to get candidates to think about the faith. Right, question, and then how do you respond? Now, here we have the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and I have to say the first question in this catechism is great. In fact, I think it's fantastic. I think it really captures what the word or the concept of worship is. So the question is now, of course, it's in 1646, so I will make it slightly more politically correct, but we will say, What is the chief end of man and woman? What is the chief end of man and woman? The chief end. Just think about that for a moment. What is the whole purpose of life? What's the chief end? What's our destiny? What is this all about? I mean, it's the fundamental, existential question of purpose. What is your destiny? What is your chief end? And here it says, what is the chief end of man and woman? And the reply, or the response is, man and woman's chief end is to glorify God. That is how we're made. Our chief and our purpose is to glorify God. Now I'm going to just pause here for a second. I'm going to tell you about something that's really really English, all right? I'm an Englishman, so you're going to have to forgive that. And you know, when I was thinking about this, you know, what's our purpose? There used to be a TV series called The Antiques Roadshow. And what it was is that, you know, people would have these kind of strange objects in their houses that they've maybe inherited or they found, and then they would bring it to this road show where they had specialists. And they, of course, part of the reason is that sometimes they got this sort of, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what this is used for, but it must be something. And they take this, and of course, secretly, they're hoping it's going to be lots of money, that's what they really want. But they're taking this, this object, and then the specialists look at it and say, ah, this is what this is for. This is its purpose. And it's kind of like this aha moment, this revelation, ah, I've been wondering this all my life. And you know, I think that's sometimes like us as human beings. It's like, you know, what's our purpose? Sometimes we think, oh, if I just throw myself into work, or I throw myself into a relationship, or I throw myself into, being a football fan whatever it is there's something inside of us that we've got this desire to throw ourselves into something you know to kind of we could say worship something inverted commas here to put something above us to make our life of value and you know what our purpose is to worship god until we've come back to our true purpose we will never find our peace So, let's be really clear about this. This is simple, profound, and to the point. Man's chief end is to glorify God. And we see that in the creation story, right at the beginning, God created man and woman in his own image. He created them. He created them in his image to have relationship with God, to worship God. That is what it's all about. So you can run off all the, all the different directions as you like. You will never find your chief end, your purpose, until you return back to God. And isn't it, I love the last bit of this. And it's not this idea of worship, it's to enjoy Him forever. It's like a homecoming, isn't it? It's like, I'm home. This is what I'm made to do, to love God. And you know what we're going to enjoy him forever in the here and now as we're born again as we have relationship through christ but also the promise of eternity that we will enjoy him forever so let's get this clear this is the primary thing this is what life is about this is what worship is about to worship god and enjoy him forever now of course i could have picked out many scriptures to look at a kind of definition, if you like, of worship. And I, here I picked out the story uh, of, uh, that Jesus gives, Okay, the definition that Jesus gives. And he says, look, the hour is coming, in other words, the time is here, and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so we have here the Son of God, coming into history in time and space, the chosen one, and the time is here. I am here. I am the one that's going to open the way. He said in another place, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so here we have, Jesus said, look, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Of course, Jesus opens the way for us to be real and true worshippers because of what he's done on the cross. You know, the heart's desire is now opened to worship God through the cross, through the blood of Christ, and as you can see behind me, this wonderful stained-glass window with the drop of blood. The drop of blood. You know, it took only one drop of Jesus' blood to forgive us our sins. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus opens the way to the Father. For the Father, and this, this is the lovely is The Father is seeking. He seeks us. He longs for us. He's searching out for us. He's seeking you, and you, and you, and you, and me. He's seeking us. For people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth a wonderful promise a wonderful reality that we have for yeshua but there's a but <laughs> our worship is broken worship we know that we live in the kind of you know the kingdom of god that is present now but also the kingdom of god is yet to come we're in this kind of kind of dynamic between what has happened and what is going to come you know and and paul wonderfully portrays this kind of struggle in romans 7 he talks about you know there's a part of me that wants to do good and yet there's another part of me that doesn't want to do good and it's like there's like a war raging inside of me and we all know that our worship what we bring is broken we know and i well okay i will speak for myself and see if you identify with it You know worshiping god is not always easy sometimes i would do anything but worship God. i just want to do my own thing i do my own thing it is this kind of wrestle sometimes to really say god i put you first in my life god i'm going to sing to you god i'm going to read your word whatever it is it's sometimes a bit of a battle it's a broken worship that we have but worship we must do and worship is where we find our true destiny okay so that's an introduction, and let's look at what the Hebrew Scriptures can teach us. So let's get our context here. We're in Exodus, we've got God's chosen people, escaped from slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea, given the word of God, the Torah, the law of God. Remember this, this Torah that God gives his people is a way to live as a community it's the community way of living if you abide by this and then there will be harmony within your community and then he gives the instructions for the very center of this community and it's to build in what we call the tent of the meeting or the tabernacle and so we have here the build up for the worshiping community and so Moses assembles assembled all the congregation actually you've got this idea it's the verb to assemble gathers together the the gathering all right so we kind of get the idea what church what it means to be church is this idea of assembly coming together it's not individualistic it's community coming together so moses assembles the congregation of the people of israel moses said to the congregation of the people of israel this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Right, so you, you're beginning to get here, this kind of idea. we're coming now into what life is really all about, What's, what's the purpose? He so said, "God commanded, and then we have this idea of take from you a contribution to the Lord." And so God collects His people, and He asks His people to give a contribution. And isn't it wonderful, you get this, this sense of shared relationship, this idea of that the you know, worship is God inviting us to gather together, to give back to God. For whoever is generous of heart, and those that know Hebrew, you get a little bit of a deeper understanding. When you're generous of heart, it's this kind of like free-flowing, without restriction, quite spontaneous desire of the heart. To be generous of heart is like, it's the right response to God. God is my creator, God is the one I need to worship, and I have a generous heart. I give back, I reflect back to my creator. Let him bring the Lord's contribution. And it's really practical. It's gold. It's silver, it's bronze, it's blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin linen and so on and so on and so on. It's really, really practical. He's asking the people to give back to him. I mean, everything is the Lord's. We know that rationally. But here we've got the idea of worship, the idea of giving back to God, acknowledging God for who he is. And here, of course, these, all, all these things are being collected to make the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is this incredible thing Where you've got these different stages, and in the very centre is the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, where the presence of God will fall. The tabernacle was to be right in the centre of the community. And within the tabernacle, the very centre, the Holy of Holies, is God himself making himself present. In the community. So you've got this idea of what life worship is about. You know, you've got this kind of you could have kind of rings coming coming round. You know, it's all focused on the Almighty worship. Okay. Let's now continue. And let's look now what the New Testament can teach us. And it's really, really practical. It's this idea of put on then, put on then. Again, I've hinted that, you know, this idea of worship, of loving one another is really not straightforward, but you have to, it's like putting clothes on, put on then. You have to discipline yourself, you have to consciously do it. Put on then. And then he reminds us, first remember, you are God's chosen ones. Just, you know, get your theology right, get your identity right, your status right, you're the chosen ones. I mean, of course, the the Israelites are the chosen ones of God, and through Yeshua, there's this invitation for all of us, the nations of the world, to be the chosen ones. And you know, we're holy, get it? We're holy. God sees us as holy. We know we're not holy, but God sees us as holy because of what Yeshua has done through the blood of Christ. That's your identity. And he sees you through Jesus as the chosen one. My beloved my loved one, my holy one, the one that is set apart for me, my beloved. I mean, you're loved. You're loved by the Father. He loves you. He loves you. There's no missing. He adores you. He loves you. Chosen, holy, and beloved. So get your identity right. And because of your identity, your relationship with me, says the Father, you need likewise to show what I've shown you. Have compassionate hearts. To show compassion, to show mercy, to show grace. Show the compassion that I've shown you to each other. And this is like the nuts and bolts of this faith. This is not just going to live on the mountain, just worship God. This is like worshipping God in the here and now, amongst the community, amongst people that kind of drive you crazy at times. People that say things that really hurt you. People do things you think, what on earth is that? And it doesn't take long before you, it reflects on yourself Think, ah, oh, okay, <laughs> this is kind of, I'm probably doing the same to other people. This is kind of like the, you know, the community living together, clashing with each other, you know, rubbing each other up, up the wrong wall. And what's the instruction? Be compassionate. Have compassionate hearts. You know, it has to come from here show kindness be kind to each other show humility my goodness that's so hard isn't it to show humility to really humble yourself you know humble yourself before the lord is by humbling ourselves before one another and show meekness and patience and so you've got these these all kind of ways of being for a community to show worship to the father and bearing with one another And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. This is like, as we say in England, where the rubber hits the road. This is like really, really tough. Now, of course, the whole thing about forgiveness deserves a much bigger seminar to talk about. Because it is not always easy. It is, you know, there are situations where you need to sort of, you know, have a distance because there's some very serious things that have happened. But the very essence of it, there needs to be a place of forgiveness. doesn't mean you always have to kind of be reconciled. Reconciliation is a different thing. But the forgiveness, we need to have that in our hearts. It's a gift, actually, that God gives us. Because if we don't find, and it can be a journey of forgiveness, it can take time, it can be a process. But this idea that if we do not forgive, something goes on in our heart, you won't have the compassion. You won't have, because it kind of, the bitterness begins to set in. So, releasing someone with forgiveness is also releasing ourselves. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all, put on, put on, clothe yourself with love. It doesn't come naturally. It's not romantic love. It's not like, I feel like loving, so I'm going to love. It's a choice. You put it on. I'm going to choose to love. And what this does is it binds everything. It binds it, it brings it together connects it together together in what perfect harmony have you ever seen a church that's in perfect harmony no but we're striving towards that we're working towards that and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts the shalom of god the real peace that he brings that no one else can bring the peace of god rule in your heart to which indeed you were called into one body, the church, the local church, and be thankful. Mm, be thankful. You know, that's, you know, like, kind of grumbling, grumble, grumble, but he's saying be thankful. Thankful for the things that you have. Thankfulness is so important. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, when I think about the word of Christ, it is Christ, the cross of Christ, that is like, has to dwell in you. It has to shape you, it has to mould you, it has to renew you. It's the cross, it's always the cross, the word of Christ, what he has done for us. Let it dwell, tent in you deeply. Let it be part of your very being. And then from this, we teach each other about the word of Christ. We acknowledge one another, we encourage one another. And we do it with wisdom. We try to seek God's wisdom. We do it by singing psalms. Of course, you know, the, the, the worship book of the Jewish people was the psalms. It's their worship book. And he's saying, sing these psalms to each other. Sing hymns and spiritual songs. And I don't know whether we need to distinguish so much here. Maybe when he talks about spiritual songs, it's this sense when the Holy Spirit comes upon the congregation, you know, sing unto me a new song and then the Holy Spirit comes, and there might be this kind of spontaneous sense of singing, maybe. But whatever it is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus summed up worship like this. He said, look, Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God, love him, worship him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no uh, commandment greater than these. This is worship, worshiping God and learning to love one another in community.